welcome to Hello Fellow Kids, the podcast where two totally young, hip, fly kids talk about books aimed at other totally young, hip, and fly kids. As you can see, we're down with the lingo. We are down. Uh, I'm Josh. I'm Mara. And for this episode, we read The Sisters Grimm, Book One, The Fairy Tale Detectives by Michael Buckley. <sighs> yeah? Should we just get started? <laughs> um, yeah. So. Josh gave it two stars on Goodreads. I'd finished the book and I went to Goodreads to log that I'd read it. And I saw the two star rating and immediately started laughing. Because that I was like, that's what I'm going to give it. <laughs> I was more like, maybe more like two and a half. I actually, I, <laughs> I had it at three. And then adjusted okay. it down to two. Okay, yeah. See, because I was considering three, and I saw that you did two, and I was like, that sounds about right. But if two and a half was a possibility, that's about where I'd be. Yeah. This isn't awful, but it's probably my least favorite of our official canon. Yeah. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, I almost said lore, but that's not what I'm going, what we're right. going for. Um. So, so before we start here, uh, it's going to become pretty obvious that there are some similarities between this and fable haven which we did a couple episodes ago right we're gonna make parallels where it's necessary mm-hmm. i will say that this was actually originally published one year before fable haven yeah which is interesting because i felt like fable haven did all of this better yeah it's it, it's not doing the same thing this is more no. of a take on traditional fairy tale characters the other one's more like just fantastical creatures and where to find them. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, so you did the synopsis, but before we yes. start with chapter one, does yours, if you open the cover, does it have reviews? Um, yes. Okay, so it has New York Times bestsellers, CBS Early Show, Time Out, uh, R.L. Stein, and then Kids Will Love Sabrina and Daphne's Adventures as much as I did, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Buffy on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, if Buffy liked it, then how can we be wrong? I don't know, does... I don't want to, like besmirch the name of smg at all yeah how much books does she really read so this is a nine book series and it just nine nine books this goes on for okay sorry yeah uh nine (laughs) book series uh we've shelved all of them at uh the school library yeah don't we have a whole bunch of like number four or something i feel like that happened yeah it's number yes so and then I think the, maybe that's one of the kids like the least or the, something the font for the numbers is really weird so like anything that has a circle involved all looks like the same number so i can't tell if we have like a bunch of six eight or nine so let's start off here with chapter one or the one page prologue that isn't really a prologue oh, okay i didn't i didn't know if that was really a prologue it's i like, thought it, i thought it was just like a um Oh, it's your sign. Um, <laughs> not by the author. Okay, I think it was just inscripted by whoever gifted it to. This said Cameron and Logan, happy ever after. And then the ungrateful bitches got rid of the book. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter one. Our story begins on a train. Our protagonist Sabrina. No, no, no. You have to keep the accent. Okay. Our protagonist Sabrina and her little sister Daphne are en route from NYC to Ferryport Landing. It's all in New York. They are accompanied by their caseworker, Ms. Smirt, who clearly hates her job, the girls, and her life. The girls are technically orphans and have been in the foster care system for a while since their parents mysteriously disappeared one day. Like, their car was found and there's like a red handprint in it, which will show up later in the book, so remember that factoid. 
But the red, like, the cops assured the girls it wasn't blood. I don't know. I feel like they shouldn't have given them that much information. Whatever. Anyway. Okay, so now they're on their way to Grandma Grimm, which is interesting since the girls were told that their grandmother died before they were born. They reach Fairyport Landing and they meet Grandma Grimm, who is a round old German woman who throws low-key shade at Miss Smirt and is <laughs> inappropriately affectionate with the girls considering she's only just met them. Like, she's kissing them all over their faces. I'm like, bitch, step back. They didn't even know you existed. Um, she's accompanied by a tall, silent man with wild, uh, light-colored hair and crazy eyebrows, and I immediately picture Peter Capaldi. Uh, his name's Mr. Canis. Um, I was uncomfortable with that just because it sounds so much like anus, so like, <laughs> my brain has to say anus every time and have a little, like, Beavis and Butthead uh, moment. And he seems to be the manservant. Grandma Grimm packs everyone into an old jalopy, and off they go through the blink and miss it town and off into a farm country where she lives on a house on a hill. Uh, the door is covered in locks, and Sabrina and I are both weirded out by this. Um, Mr. Canis takes the suitcases upstairs, and Granny Grimm gives them a tour of the house. It's lined with bookshelves, and the books have really cool titles, but Sabrina's too big of an a-hole to get a look at them, so I don't get to find out what they are. Um, the girls uh, see pictures of their grandparents having adventures, and there's a baby in some of the pictures, but Sabrina doesn't consider this proof that she's actually their grandmother, which is very smart, to be honest, because baby's kind of a baby anyway um, <laughs> they each that's just an infant that doesn't prove anything that couldn't be my dad he was a grown man because <laughs> they're from new york they gotta be talking like this <laughs> the whole italian ham thing i know they're fucking german <laughs> I'm like doing that. sorry f-bomb number one okay um ding. <laughs> are you gonna put in an annoying ding at the yeah. end yeah i almost did it again all right anyway they eat cookies and they meet Elvis, a great dame the size of a Mack truck. Elvis, <laughs> Elvis does tricks and gives big sloppy kisses. Elvis is my favorite character. Um, Granny Grimm makes spaghetti and meatballs for dinner, but Mr. Canis just eats salad, which I found interesting considering who I suspect him to be. Um, Sabrina gets down to brass tacks and wants to know who's this old bag since their grandmother's dead. Granny Grimm waffles and won't answer anything, so Sabrina gets fed up and drags Daphne away from the table and up to their room. After two tries, they find the right room and squabble with one another until little flashing lights appear at the window. Intrigued, Sabrina starts to open the window until Mr. Canis barrels into the room and breaks his silence. You'll leave that window closed if you know what's good for you. Oh, shit, are we in Fablehaven? It's... Okay. Midsummer's Eve. <laughs> I need to, like, not be funny for a second, but I really, really really detest the representation of a Ms. Smirt, the caseworker, being such a hateful bent because social workers have the hardest job in the world and I don't think they're antagonistic people, especially on this cow's level. And I think it was kind of lazy writing on Michael Buckley's part to make her like, you know, clearly the orphans and all this system is so evil, but really it's an overworked system. Everybody in it's tired. They have like way too much caseloads. If anything, she should have been like, polite and kind of like frazzled or whatever and just kind of like and like wishing well for the girls rather than being just a huge bitch so i didn't i didn't like that well the other thing is that that's i've seen it a bunch the it's it's a very traditional like you have somebody in a position of like authority over kids and like their well-being and stuff they you know they don't do well with kids they must like hate children or something like that and i was getting like lemony snicket vibes the difference is that is very intentionally setting up 
every adult as completely incompetent mm -hmm. and pretty much universally awful. Yeah. So it makes sense in that context. This doesn't have that. It's just lazy. But in Lemony Snicket, though, there isn't an actual social worker anywhere. Mr. What's his ass? Mr. Mr. Poe, the banker. Is yeah. a banker. It's... He's not, and he's not even mean or anything. Yeah. He's just kind of like a doofus. Yeah. You know, he doesn't, like, wish, like, the children ill. He wants to find them where they're supposed to go. Yeah. And I just, I don't understand where he was going with this, because then it's over and done. Yeah. I get, and I guess to, like, describe, like, the evils of, of the foster care system, which, granted, is, you know, not perfect by any means. Yeah. But they're trying. Yeah. So I, I just really hated that. I, I really, it, and that's why I started the book off with, like, well, then I feel like it gives more children fear. So if something happens to their parents, this is what happens to you. And you're like, yeah. well, hold on. I don't know. I just, I hated that. Move on to <laughs> some other well, point. Because <laughs> uh, otherwise I'm just going to keep being miserable. I kept reading her last name as Squirt. I kept thinking Smart. But then you're going to Smart. I'm I like, got... what is this name that he's picked? Mrs. Squirt. Mrs. Squirt. <laughs> it's not even Mrs. Who married? <laughs> no one would have married this woman. She's yeah. horrible. And I feel like Granny Grimm should have addressed the whole, like, no, I'm your grandma, and, like, had some, like, later we do see she has photo evidence. She should have presented that first thing, because this kid has legitimate concerns. And this, and she's like, we're not going to address it right now. Yeah. I'm like, well, why not? What else yeah. are you planning to do? Yeah. Give the, you know, reassure this child. It's, Granted, this is an unlikable child. This is, but... <laughs> this is an example of what Brandon Mole did a lot better, which is, Here's a logical train to follow. We're going to take that route, and then the surprises are going to come after we've done that. Yeah. This is the, we're just going to intentionally not do the smart thing for the sake of setting up drama. Right. Yeah. And that's what's really frustrating, is you can see, like, how so much of this can be solved very easily. Again, lazy writing. Yeah. Um, as soon as it mentions the parents, uh, disappear, I just wrote, the parents are in some magical mishap, and it's up to the sisters Grimm to save them, because, duh. Of course. Um, I made a reference to the Pussycat Dolls. Um, <laughs> what? Okay, well, so it just says... When they grew up, they wanted to be famous? No, so it, it says, ladies, let's go, which is at the beginning of, uh, don't you? Don't ya. Yeah. Okay. Ladies, let's go. Soldiers, let's go. Okay. I have that album. I don't remember that. You would. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, okay. Uh, I also kept track here. Three times... In the course of, let's see here, seven pages, he uses the phrase, uh, Sabrina had ever seen. <laughs> so he would be like, next to her stood the skinniest man Sabrina had ever seen. Uh, Mr. Canis was waiting for them beside the oldest car Sabrina had ever seen. Uh, each wall was lined with bookshelves stuffed with more books than Sabrina had ever seen. It was, I know that repetition isn't like the end all be all, but it, it was just such a standout phrase for me that I was just like, okay, you only know like two ways to describe something and this is one of them. <laughs> Chapter two? Uh, or do you oh, have any more? Okay, uh, let sorry. me see. I just want to say that uh, their grandfather passed on about 11 years ago. Sabrina's 11. Sabrina's 11. That she might be killed a thing. grandpa. <laughs> oh, and then I, I wrote down here when she was looking through some of the books with all the titles that are very obviously references to fairy tales as if they were real. Yeah. I just wrote, I know the fancy element is obvious to the reader, but it shouldn't be so heavily telegraphed and not have the qu kids question it at all. Yeah. Like, I get that that would be a weird thing to encounter in reality, but there are no red flags going up here. I Maybe you could explain it by she's so focused on the fact that she doesn't think this is her real grandma, but... Mm -hmm. And they've been in a lot of, like, sketchy 
foster yeah. home. So she's mostly just looking for a means of escape right yeah. now. She's kind of casing, like, yeah. what are the exits <laughs> we can get yeah. out of here. And then I just wrote, uh, hi, you're insufferable when she's, uh, <laughs> when she's like, uh. That's exactly how I would describe I'll her. show you to your room. And then she's like, we'll find it ourselves. I want a story where it's Kendra and Daphne and Sabrina and Seth can go somewhere else. Because I feel like Daphne would have broken the rules of the fairy tale thing, not, uh, the Fable Haven thing, not out of like, I'm doing it just to do it, like Seth, but just more out of genuine curiosity yeah. and wonder. Yes. Yeah. I just think she's the better character. Right. And so then. I think it would have been a better dynamic. And then we get rid of these two characters I hated. And then in book three, they just walk past Seth and Sabrina's corpses because they yeah. can't do anything smart and just keep breaking rules and getting killed. Yeah. Because they're morons. Bada boom. Chapter two. Mr. Canis tells them no one is allowed in the house and then stalks out of the room. Now, uh, Granny Grimm comes in and she calmly tells them the rules, reiterating what Mr. Canis said and then telling them about a locked door down the hall that they're never to open. Uh, the girls agree to the rules because, haha, they're going to run away. Uh, once the house is quiet, they sneak to the front door, but find they need the keys. So they sneak into Granny's room where there's swords and masks on the walls, and Daphne plays with a mask and drops it, waking Granny. Granny talks to the mask and hangs it back up. Uh, once she's asleep, Sabrina gets the keys, but she suspects that Daphne's sabotaging their escape efforts. Because Daphne digs it there. Like, Sabrina doesn't, but Daphne's just like, well, it's awesome food, and she's a weird lady, I'm having a good time. And I like Daphne. Anyway, outside, Sabrina decides um, they should go through the woods, and off they go. They run into Elvis, who uses every code in doggy body language that being outside is a bad idea, <laughs> but they ignore it and press on, even though Elvis is barking warnings. The lights uh, that they saw earlier from the window come back, and the girls are enchanted until the lights start fighting. Then they're swarmed and they go screaming through the woods with Elvis trying to protect Daphne. Good call. Who's uh, getting the worst of it. <laughs> Suddenly, uh, Granny Grimm is there and she's blowing blue powder on the bugs. They're clearly not bugs, but these... Oh, I hate Sabrina. Anyway, which freezes them in place. She comments that pixies are harmless unless they're in a group. Sabrina's like, bitch, where? But Granny's just like, let's get Daphne into the house. Uh, the next morning, there's a pancake breakfast and Mr. Canis nails the window shut. What if there's a fire? Not cool. <laughs> then Mrs. Grimm waves off Sabrina's dismay and reveals that she's received a call and that they're about to have an adventure. Then she shows them hideous matching outfits. Mr. Canis got them. Well played, Mr. Canis. Uh, These outfits are amazing. Like, I laughed so hard. <laughs> Sabrina thinks they're awful, but Daphne's like, yeah! These are awesome outfits. There were two pairs of bright blue pants that had little hearts and balloons sewn onto them. There were identical sweatshirts that, that were as awful as the pants. Bright orange with a monkey and a tree on the front. Underneath the monkey were printed the words, Hang in there. You expect us to wear these? Sabrina moaned. Oh, I love them, Daphne said. <laughs> Either the funniest or the second funniest. You, yeah, you need to know what the outfits are because there's so many jokes yeah. that happen. Um, but... The reason why those are the outfits when that's revealed at the end is possibly yes. the funniest part of the book. I know, right? So we'll get there. Yeah, we'll um, get there. So uh, the girls get dressed and they go outside. They hear Granny in the locked room talking, but they think she's talking to Mr. Canis. But they find him outside. What? Uh, they get in the car and head to the scene of the incident. Sabrina making note of street names and landmarks for when she next makes a break for it. Uh, they arrive at the Applebee farm where a farmhouse has been crushed. Mrs. Grimm says she's investigating a crime, and she sets off with Elvis to marple her way around the property. 
the girls kind of hang out until Limo pulls up with Mayor William Charming inside with his abused dwarf slave assistant, Mr. Seven, who wears a dunce cap with I am an idiot redundantly printed on it. Charming is uh, not charming. He's rude to the girls and gives them his card. It has a website listed on it that doesn't actually work. Missed opportunity. That made me so mad. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have read two books in the last year that had email addresses, and I sent emails to both of them and didn't even get like an automated response. And I'm like, Lazy. come on, guys. Lazy. Okay, Amanda, please, is still a website. <laughs> so uh, Mrs. Grimm comes over, and the mayor throws his weight around. Uh, nothing to see here. And Mrs. Grimm reveals she's found a beanstalk leaf, and where would that come from in November? Uh, Charming is not so charming and is like, bitches say what? And he and Mr. Seven jet. Uh, the Grimms go up to a nearby hill to see what the farmhouse looks like from above. And that's when Wilma Fay from Action 4 News arrives to film the mess and have a career existential crisis about getting BS news stories in the very port landing. And she takes off not long after showing up. She shows up later. I don't know. She's such a not interesting character. Uh, Mrs. Grimm analyzes the leaf and yep, it's from a giant beanstalk, meaning giants. Daphne thinks it's funny, but Sabrina's aghast that they're in the custody of a crazy person. Granny leaves to look over the crime scene some more. The girls stay behind to plan the tractor, and it's actually kind of sweet until Daphne and Sabrina take a better look at the deep indentation around the house and realize it's a footprint! Oh my god! I'm just picturing the... Have you seen Gravity Falls? No. Okay, so in the opening uh, little credit animation for Gravity Falls, there's a part where they're looking at a footprint, and it's like... You know, it's like a big foot size footprint, it's like a size like 18 shoe or whatever. Yeah. And they're looking at it and they're like freaking out. And then it zooms out and they don't realize they're standing in a footprint that's like 20 feet wide. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sabrina was as hungry as she had ever been. I'm counting that, so that's four times. <laughs> well, it is ever been, ever seen. Uh, yeah. It's only one letter different. She's saying something about Mr. Canis's, uh gaze unnerved the girl, but no more than the realization that Mrs. Grimm had been talking to herself in her secret room. And I just wrote, no, you moron. <laughs> I know they're not supposed to realize they're in a story, but yeah, you should kind of realize you're in a story. Like at least to a like, oh, and she, there, uh, Mrs. Grimm comes over and asks for Elvis, and she's like, "Girls, do you mind if I borrow my boyfriend for a moment?" I just wrote, "Is this a grandma chicken thing?" Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> the dog this is what happened to Grandpa. Into it. Uh, he was probably the best looking man Sabrina had ever seen. He made his made her heart skip a beat or something. Then he opened his mouth. <laughs> Before the old woman could respond, Mr. Canis joined the group, and Mr. Charming says, well, if it isn't the big bad, and I just wrote, Bigby! The big bad? Mean man. No. <laughs> Knife! Knife! No! <laughs> Princess! Daphne, show me what you have! Knife! No! It's exactly the sister's dynamic. <laughs> this is a very... It's just the setup for the yeah. main plot chapter, so there's not a whole lot I to go into. I can believe how long these chapters were. Right? And, like, yeah. I but, think I wrote in here, actually... But, like I said to you earlier, three quarters of it is just Sabrina sniping at everybody. Yeah. I think I said, basically, I wish the book were a hundred pages longer and written by somebody better. Not that I want more of this story, but I feel like it just goes from point to point too quickly to feel like any of it matters. You know what this kind of feels like? Is someone's nano project. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, their nano rhymo. Nano rhymo, yeah. Yeah. Right, where it's like, <laughs> I just had to crank this out in 30 I days, okay? I had to crank okay? it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go back and fix it later. 
All right, chapter three. After a little more investigation, the Grimms go home and eat meatballs with purple gravy, and it tastes like pizza. What in the hell are these meals? I don't know. I'm picturing Mike Birbiglia's dreams where it's like, you'll be skiing, but your skis will be breadsticks. <laughs> so Granny Grimm talks about the giant smashing the farmhouse, and Sabrina tells her to give up the joke, and no one's falling for it. So here we are, the big reveal slash info dump. Fairy tales are real, and the girls are descended from the Brothers Grimm, specifically what? Wilhelm Grimm. What? Fairy tale creatures are called Ever Afters, and they moved to the New World and settled in Fairyport Landing to avoid prosecution in the Old World. I think I meant persecution. Good writing there, Mara. People started crowding in again, like said, settling around them, and everyone started getting worried. Um, a group of rebels were all for exterminating humanity. So uh, Wilhelm had Baba Yaga cast a spell in the town. No Ever Afters can leave. Ever since, a Grim always has to be in Fairyport Landing. It's why Grandma couldn't go get the girls from the orphanage. And the only thing that can break the spell is the Grimm family dying out. Um, mostly the Ever Afters don't use their powers. And Grimm's investigate crimes and document everything. Daphne asks why this heritage didn't pass to their dad. And apparently he turned his back on it after Grandpa Grimm died in the course of his duties. So Sabrina hits the roof, screaming about her dad getting turned into a fairy tale, and I kind of understood that. And she doesn't buy a word of the story. She's uh, more determined than ever to get away, and she tells Daphne that they're gone at the first opportunity. Uh, after all this, they head to the hospital to see Farmer Appleby and get a witness statement from him. But when they get there, they find Charming's been there with Seven and Glinda the Good, one of the three witches he has on retainer. Uh, they... <laughs> <laughs> They hurry to Appleby's room and find Glenda dumping pink dust over the sleeping Appleby. Grandma's pissed, but pretends to be defeated until Charming and his squad leave. Uh, they wait for Mrs. Appleby, who arrives not long after, and Granny introduces herself as a detective. All conversation is put on hold when the farmer wakes up. He hears our detectives and declares a crime's been committed and points out the girl's crappy clothes. I laugh my ass off. <laughs> also, he has no memory of what happened to his house. Uh, Mrs. Appleby is dumbfounded since, apparently, before he was sedated, he'd been raving about a giant. She goes out in the hall with the Grimms and explains what they've, they've been having difficulty with a Mr. Englishman who wanted to rent their land for an event and got nasty when Appleby said no. Then Mr. E apologized for his rudeness and he gave them accommodations in NYC and tickets to a Broadway show. Mrs. Appleby went with her sister, but the hotel had no record as, of a reservation and the tickets to the show were fake. Uh, she cries, and Granny gives her a hanky covered in pink powder, which presumably erases this crummy experience from Mrs. A's mind, because she suddenly has no idea who they are, and she wanders back to her husband's room. Um, the Grimms leave, but they're confronted by goons in the lobby, telling Granny to back off the case. She stands her ground, and even though they get handsy, she blows a silent whistle and waits calmly while the D-bags continue to make threats. When did you figure out the Englishman? I thought it meant charming for a while. Okay. Cool. Shortly so after Jack was introduced, I'm like, I know what so, this is. So I'm not a moron. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool. I felt bad for Mrs. Appleby. Like, I'm like, oh boy, I'm going to have this whole night out in New York City. Because I was like, isn't Charming Rich? Couldn't he have actually set her up with a real thing? What a piece yeah. of crap. Good on him for not trying to think of a new name for regular people. Because between like Mondays for Fable stuff yeah. and Muggles for Magic, it's kind of covered. Yeah. Don't try to bring another one in. He just, They just say humans or something. Yeah. And I kind of left leave it at that. That's probably the best option. Yeah. No more goofy names for yeah. people. Uh, for any writers that are trying to create, like, do world building that they hope will, like, make it into real world canon, certain things have already, like, 
they've got the market corner. Don't bother. <laughs> yeah. I understand the dad leaving for the sake of the kids' safety, but on the other hand, he's a total D-bag for forcing Mrs. Grimm to be the required one Grimm. Yeah. He's just like, peace, you're trapped, because uh, you're the last one out. Get the lights. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think of that, but you're right. Yeah. Their dad's a self-indulgent douchebag. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go live my life, life in New York City. Like, oh, how fun for you. Yeah. Well, I'm stuck here with this nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> what happened if she tried to fly out? What, what happens? Is it, like, hitting, like, is it she just have to do this horrible mime routine of, like, ah. Um, the island from Lost actually appears in the water just outside Ferryport, and she <laughs> crashes there. <laughs> And Hurley's just like, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Just yells dude the whole time. (laughs) That's the show. If you haven't seen Lost, that's it. I really like Lost, but there's a lot that you can joke about with it. Yeah. I made a skeptical face at him like, was it good? Was it? I remember saying it was good. I I said I really liked it. Oh, okay. Those are two very different statements. That's that's true. (laughs) When they realize that it's Glinda the good witch that's erasing the memory and she's like i thought you're supposed to be a good witch and she's like we, we all have to pay our bills <laughs> <laughs> which makes me picture like glenda has a shopping addiction <laughs> <laughs> she's just like qvc at three in the morning just like i need that i was picturing her just in like bidding wars on ebay <laughs> <laughs> So the first night that I read, I read the first three chapters, then stop, and then the next morning I started reading. So I didn't realize that at the very end of chapter three, it ends with her blowing a whistle that nobody could hear, a civil yeah. whistle that nobody could hear. Didn't realize till now that that's a dog whistle yeah, that's, that's summoning Mr. Whistle. Mr. Canis. Yeah, okay. Or Elvis. Or both. Right. Because they are both dog-like right. creatures. All right, chapter four. In the coolest moment of badassery ever, Daphne runs up and kicks a goon in the shin, and Granny Grimm hits him over the head with her big old heavy old lady purse. He goes down, and the other goons laugh, calling him Tony. Then they all stand there fighting and revealing their real names, Bobby and Steve, until Mr. Canis and Elvis show up. Mrs. Grimm and Elvis get the girls to the car, and Mr. Canis kicks the bad guy's asses. They're worried about leaving him in a three-against-one situation, and Daphne cries until Mr. Canis comes back. He's embarrassed that the girls were worried and blushes when Daphne gives him a big kiss. She Again, that's like overly affectionate with people we've just met. Yeah. It's weird. Then Granny announces that they're tailing the bad guys to their hideout. Stakeout! Sabrina's understandably worried about following people who've assaulted them, and she's even more worried that her little sister, who she's protected all through their parents' abandonment and the hellscape that's been foster care, is buying way too much into these fairy tale claims. She has a point there. I feel like there should be like a kid who's somewhere in the middle rather than like, I wholeheartedly believe all this instead of like, I disbelieve everything, mm-hmm. but just like, this seems weird, but like, you're not hurting us, so I guess we're okay. You know, like, we need Kendra here. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so uh, they follow the bad guys to a cabin and use night vision goggles to watch the house. They talk about fairy tales, and Granny explains that giants live up in the clouds, and the only way to get to them is, uh, beanstalks but all the beans have been rounded up so there shouldn't be any more thus lies the mystery of how the giant is even here a car finally shows up and they all duck down to the surprise of no one it's charming knocking on the door around this time mr canis and elvis both start smelling something bad and start acting cagey sensing something so like pay attention to them but no one does uh taking advantage of the distractions sabrina yanks daphne out of the car and announces that everyone's psycho and they're leaving 
Mrs. Grimm begs her to get in the car, that something's coming, but Sabrina's too righteously indignant to take heed. That only lasts until the hideous giant shows up, picks up the car, which he stows in his pocket, and walks away laughing. Daphne berates Sabrina for her behavior and starts marching off after the giant, declaring that she's going to get their family back. Daphne is my second favorite character. Oh, I, I missed the key point um, that when, when the cars get picked up by the giant, uh, Mrs. Grimm drops her handbag for them to get. And uh, Daphne goes, she was telling the truth and you've been a big snot since the first minute. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say that and I'm like, you've been a jackass since the first minute. <laughs> like, that's what happened in chapter four. <laughs> that's what happened last time on Grimm, specifically. Except there's a show called Grimm that's probably better than this. <laughs> I feel like we should all take a break from fairy tales for a while. Yeah. This has kind of been done to death and it just needs to like stop for a while. Maybe we need to get obsessed with something else. Like maybe we should all kind of yeah. go the route that Guillermo del Toro made. Like we're going to do stuff with like sea monsters. <laughs> and then everything's underwater for the next four years. Well, it's a shake-up after all the freaking fairy tales. Well, yeah, but I mean, let's see. What did we have right before that was that? Vampires? We had the dystopian for a little bit. Okay, dystopia. So, vampire, dystopia, fairy tale retellings. Yeah. Even though this technically was written before the fairy tale retelling. Whatever. Every time we say Granny Grimm, my brain is just like Granny Grimm job, and I'm like, no, 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 (laughs) no. Please, please. No. Back up. <laughs> Back up. <laughs> <laughs> Just roll that walker back. page 96 i wrote i'd rather be reading fables <laughs> <laughs> and on page 99 i said i wrote uh you saw a giant footprint uh memory wiping super strength and conversations with uh small glowing figures and you're still in denial about all this right i hate that that's what was cool about the yeah. fable haven kids but once they saw proof they're like okay yeah this is real well they were like they're like it could be holograms but they're also like it's still it's What's still the likelihood of it being holograms? Yeah. <laughs> Whereas she's just like, they obviously <laughs> this crazy woman has decided to pretend to be our grandmother and that fairies exist. That's the more rational explanation. Well, she showed her her freaking picture. Oh my God. Do not disregard this kid's concerns. Especially if they've already made one runaway attempt and got attacked by pixies. <laughs> Chapter five. All right. Chapter five. So the girls march along in silence for a while and then squabble. I feel sorry for Sabrina a little because she feels like she has to be the unlikable, responsible one since they have no one else. Finally, they realize that there's not much they can do to help Granny and Mr. Canis, so they stop and Daphne cries a little. Daphne cries a lot, but again, she's seven. Yeah. They figure they're supposed to go home since Granny dropped them the, her purse with her keys inside. So they're uh, digging around the purse and they find a picture of their parents with Granny and the mom's pregnant with Sabrina. I kind of want to shake the shit out of Granny. She couldn't have shown them this picture. It would have set some of Sabrina's concerns to rest. Maybe not about fairy tales, but at least, you know, this this woman is related to you. No, it's photoshopped. <laughs> so they hear a car coming and they impulsively decide to hitchhike, which they've never done before. 
Uh, they get second thoughts, though, when the driver acts weird, revving the engine and honking the horn. So the girls run until the car cuts them off. And out steps a tubby cop who introduces himself as Sheriff Hampstead. He knows Granny and he knows Elvis, so they feel safe getting into the car with him. He says he's taking them home and reassures them that Granny's gotten out of stickier situations than her current one. He knows all about the giant because who could miss it, right? Suddenly, there's, uh, suddenly someone's on the radio yelling at Hampstead, and the girls recognize Charming's voice. Uh-oh, he's working for Charming, who they suspect is behind all this. So, uh, at a secret signal from Sabrina, she and Daphne leap out of the car with Elvis. Hampstead struggles after them, and Sabrina gets Daphne under a barbed wire fence. Unfortunately, Daphne's not strong enough to hold the fence up, and Sabrina gets stuck. She and Hampstead scuffle, during it, Hampstead briefly turns into a pig, as you do. So, out <laughs> of the woods come some pixies who help Sabrina under the fence. Meanwhile, Elvis uses Hampstead as a springboard to jump over the fence, which I thought was funny. Hampstead loses his pants in the barbed wire and trudges off in his undies. I guess it's supposed to be funny, but it makes me sad. Pixies lead the girls into the woods where a grubby boy on a throne of garbage accuses the girls of being spies and announces that he's going to drown them. Is this Peter Pan? So in the semi-ironic film adaptation of this, uh, when Hampstead steps out of the uh, the car you can hear coming out of his speaker. Only the brick house, right? Yeah. Yeah. God, I hate movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I drew a little pig, actually, right next oh, to his name. Cute. <laughs> I wish he was just a pig all the time. I like that whenever people make mean comments about Elvis, Daphne is like, you shouldn't be mean to him. He's very sensitive. Uh, yeah, so it's Peter Pan, but then apparently later it's not Peter Pan. I know, but, I was uh, really disappointed, was but maybe Pan. they couldn't get the clearance from J.M. Barry's estate or something. So at this point, I feel like I should mention that I haven't been saying a whole lot, and that's kind of because there's not much to this book. There are a lot of individual things going on. Every page there's some new character, some new, like, exciting little mini moment, but it's still, like... Like, I remember a couple chapters in, I was just kind of like, okay, but where, where, where's the part where we slow down and we just kind of establish the characters and get a feel for the... And it never comes. It's just one after another, and it... Uh, but yeah, I just kept waiting for the book to take a moment to just be with itself and not feel like it was trying to, like, whiz-pow me with, like, new stuff every page, and that never happened, and that's really frustrating when... I, I understand the logic of, like, kids have short attention spans or whatever, but that's not entirely true. Um, you, you can, you can give this some breather, and that's part of why I feel like it should be about a hundred pages longer, to just give me a little bit more to, like, get situated into. I'd like to read your nano project. <laughs> <laughs> there we go, we completely absolve him by just saying he only had a month. Hey, the lady who wrote Water for Elephants, that was a nano story. I haven't read Water for Elephants, is it good? It's a nano story. <laughs> is it like... It's better than this. But that's a low bar to... Okay, oh, sorry. Anyway, are we ready for chapter six? Yeah, in fact, right before chapter six starts, I actually wrote, my mind keeps drifting while reading this, because I, there was never, like, an anchor point for me. Chapter six. The boy and the pixies lead the girls through the woods to a house with a pool in the yard. Is that common in New York? To, like, have a pool in your yard? Because I feel like it's cold so Yeah, I'm gonna guess air. not. It sounds like an above-ground pool, though, so they're not classy people. Their uh, hands are bound, and he says they're to die for their crimes. Their crime, you ask? The crime of taking the old lady away from me. 
JFC, what a loser. The girls feel the same as me and yell at him that their grandma's been abducted by a giant. The pixies seem to back up the story and the boy unties Sabrina. Then, like a boss-ass bitch, Sabrina spins and tosses the kid into the pool, making the pixies and me laugh our asses off. He flies out of the water, flapping wings he suddenly has, and declares, Hey, JK, but Sabrina isn't entertained and gives Elvis stink eye since he's just been chilling through all of this. At least he has the grace to be a little sheepish. Daphne says, I thought Peter Pan was one of the good guys, and the boy loses his shit. He's Puck! Don't you know Puck? No, they don't. The only Shakespeare... <laughs> the only Shakespeare they know is Romeo and Juliet, and Puck is appalled by their ignorance. Since they're 11 and 7, I let it slide myself. Puck brags about being a badass, and they won't get any help from him. Sabrina's like, bitches say what, and leads Daphne away. They walk for forever, and finally reach the house. Sabrina unlocks all 8 million locks, but the door won't open. Puck pops up and tells them that they didn't tell the house they're home. They do, and the door opens. Yay. Puck starts being an even bigger dickhead and demands the girls cook for him. <laughs> it goes over as well as you'd think, and <laughs> Daphne announces that she's going to cook for herself and the others follow suit. After eating, the girls go through the books and do some research. In a book written by their father, they find out that Charming has no money, uh, losing a whole shipload of his treasure en route to the New World. Uh, he has a history of bad investments, including, hilariously enough, laser discs. Uh, the Grimms suspect he's running financial scams in order to maintain the illusion of wealth and to just plain pay the bills. He's vowed to take over all of Fairyport Landing in order to rebuild his kingdom. They also read up on giants. Turns out giants have allied with humans in the past, and surprise, surprise, it doesn't go well. While researching, the girls find a letter from Granny telling them that if anything happens to her, they need to unlock the Forbidden Room. Puck is super stoked, and Daphne runs upstairs right away. The three squabble in the hallway over who goes first until a voice in the room yells at them to shut up. Spooked, the kids go downstairs to put together armor made from cooking apparel. I think, man, that must look stupid. I turn the page, and there's an illustration. It's every bit as stupid as I expected. <laughs> <laughs> so the kids run in wielding weapons, only to find that their foe is a man in a mirror, but it's not Michael Jackson. He shoots blue rays that shut the door, and he bellows for them to identify themselves or die. I now have a new favorite character. You okay? Yeah. You just, you hit on the same jokes that I made in my <laughs> notes. Because I referenced Michael Jackson. Um, it's not the first time. I do fact, it another time. Yeah, and then the fact that it says something about Blu-rays, I highlighted and wrote what movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Probably something better. Ow, the Matrix! <laughs> no one even likes that anymore. Reloaded! What's wrong with you? <laughs> I got John Wick! Constantine! <laughs> I liked the part when they're reading the journal and it says, uh, Fairyport Landing changed from Fairyport, which, so, since you can't see the pages, it's currently written F-E-R-R-Y port. Yeah. F-A-I-R-Y was the original I figured spelling. that's what happened yeah. as well when uh, I started reading the book. I was like, I yeah. get it. Changed in, <laughs> <laughs> changed in 1910. Uh, Charming blew what was left of his riches on one bad investment after another a failed diamond mine partnership with the seven dwarves a wholesale carpet company poorly managed by his business partner alibaba and a company that went bankrupt managing manufacturing something called a laser disc player to do not knowing the word alliance um but they do know the words backfire baron and ransom yeah that was got, got really annoying yeah i'm just like it's just say it after me alliance yeah it sounds like a lion but yeah. not uh I did not understand the logic of putting a note for the kids in the journal of their dad. Like, no, put that on the put it on the fridge. Yeah, 
That's why you always leave a note. Always leave a note. But in a reasonable place. Yes. Someone would feasibly find. Because how did she know if something didn't happen to her, like, Sabrina wouldn't just, like, run away with yeah. Daphne? They're not going to go to the house and be like, let's look through all these books because we might find a note. Yeah. What should we do? I don't know, read. <laughs> That's my solution to everything. <laughs> I really have no way of dealing with difficult emotions, so I just lose myself in fantastical worlds. And where to find them. <laughs> Chapter 7. Chapter 7. Puck immediately flaps his mouth off and the mirror man makes flames surround them and they're real because Sabrina's hand is scorched. Finally, they identify themselves as the grandkids and the mirror mellows out and immediately rags on their clothes. I'm in love. Then he only offers to help if they ask right, as in rhyme their requests, i.e. mirror mirror on the wall, because yes, he's that mirror. He shows them that Granny and Mr. Canis are still alive in the giant's pocket and then advises them to seek the help of Jack the Giant Killer, who's currently in jail. So that's a bit of a problem. Uh, there's a knocking at the door, and Mirror shows them that it's Hampstead with two other cops, Borman and Swinehart. The three pigs is pigs. Get it? Ha ha. The Mirror sprouts a hand to take the keys, and uh, he brings back Aladdin's flying carpet. Sabrina hatches a plan, and the girls stack food on the carpet and let the cops in. Predictably, they fall on the floor and pig out, literally. Sabrina locks the door and calls the carpet, spilling pigs and food everywhere. They hop on the carpet with Elvis and fly away until Daphne sends them back for the final lock, telling the house they'll be back. Unfortunately, they're caught by the pigs, but Sabrina sends them up again with Hampstead stubbornly hanging on. The carpet drags him through tree branches, thorns, and mud before he finally lets go. So, <laughs> Puck stays behind to keep the cops busy. The girls humor him and tell him, let him pretend to be the leader. Um, he tells them the only officer at the jailhouse is Ichabod Crane, who won't give them trouble. Then off they go. Jack's happy to see them, especially when he finds out they need help with a giant. He's willing to help if they break him out. Rot row. That was like the shortest chapter and only covered two pages. Yeah. I mean, for like my, my notes, yeah. <laughs> it was more than two pages. All of that happened and yeah. <laughs> way more pages than that, but I just condensed it because I left out all the squabbling that Puck and Sabrina do. They're asking the mirror if he knew their father. And he's like, knew him? I was Henry's babysitter most of the time. I saw him off to prom. I was even invited to your parents' wedding. They propped me up on my own seat. <laughs> like, third row, there's just a giant mirror. The, the aunt behind him is just like, um, excuse me, can I have, can I have a better seat? I'm an actual person. <laughs> if I knew we were bringing things, I have a wardrobe who'd be happy to be here. So... They have to rhyme their requests because it's that mirror. Yeah. However, she does a slant rhyme, and he's like, that didn't technically rhyme. And they're like, whatever, it's close enough. And then he does the thing anyways. Meaning... He can do it. Yeah, without... it doesn't have to rhyme. Yeah. He just... <laughs> he's just really anal about that. I guess he has nothing else to do with his time. So it's like, no, no, rhyme for me. Do it. Uh, more petty stuff that isn't worth mentioning. Um, and we're done with the book. <laughs> <laughs> all right chapter eight jack's all for the girls beating the crap out of crane to get him out but sabrina insists that if they do this thing no one's getting hurt uh sabrina's plan is to have daphne dress up as the headless horseman and hover on the carpet this scares the ever-loving bejesus out of poor ichabod and throws them the keys when the horseman demands them uh, the girls unlock Jack's cell, and Elvis growls at Jack. Trust Elvis's instinct, guys. They congratulate themselves long enough for Crane to come back and demand Jack get back in the cell. 
Jack uh, sticks the carpet on him, and Crane gets all wrapped up. Then Jack yanks away the carpet, and Crane goes spinning away. A lot of this is very cartoony. Um, then everyone jumps on the carpet, and they run away, going lower and slower with three people and a dog. Uh, Crane pursues them, and then suddenly sows the giant. Uh, the kids are scared to death, and they nearly lose Daphne and dodge an 18-wheeler and a street sweeper. Back at the house, the girls hesitate about letting Jack in. Follow that instinct, guys. But they let him in, and Puck's livid that they brought Jack along, but reports that Charming came and got the pigs, so they're all gone. Everyone goes to bed, and in the morning, Sabrina finds Puck in Grandma's room where they bicker, and Puck warns that Jack's a thief, and they find Jack wandering around upstairs, and Elvis is still growling at him. Please trust your instincts! <laughs> uh, Puck storms away, and they eat breakfast, and Jack wants a nap. The girls are pissed, and Sabrina threatens to have his ass thrown back into jail if he doesn't earn his keep. He says he mostly has a plan. They're to go to Charming's Ball... Uh, that, that's occurring that night. Sneak into a study, find a map that'll show where the ja- giant's attacking next, and then Jack will meet the pig guy and kill him. Easy peasy. Sounds more difficult, difficult, lemon difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Jack uh, has his nap, and then they go consult the mirror. Mirror's pissed that the carpet's worn out, and he gets more upset when Jack demands that they need Dorothy's slippers for their disguises in order to go to the ball. Mirror protests, and Jack shoves Mirror aside, stepping into the looking glass. Inside is a big hallway full of rooms where magical items are stored. Granny's keys unlock the rooms and they uh, retrieve the slippers, which Sabrina puts on. They magically shift to fit her feet. Jack has a little bitch fit, wanting to see the magic beans, and Sabrina gives in and lets him. He handles a jar until Mira takes it from him. Then he's all sunshiny and happy, and I mean, come on, he's totally planning something bad. They get the fairy godmother's wand, and they turn Daphne into the Tin Woodsman, and Sabrina into Mama Bear. Uh, Mirror tells them they have until nine for the magic to wear off, which means they have two hours. Good luck. That's the chapter. I actually found that pretty funny. The logic for why they have to be done by nine. Your kids. (laughs) Yeah. Cinderella could be out at midnight. Yeah, well, she was older than you, so you have to be back by nine. They made that joke in Casper, so I was like, this has been done before. Oh. Yeah, he's like, you have until uh, 9 p.m., and he's like... Cinderella had until midnight. She's like, Cinderella wasn't 12 years old when uh, Casper gets to become, like, a kid. Oh, okay. Did you ever see the movie? I did, but that would have been a long time ago. Yeah, he comes down the stairs of, like, as Devin Sawa, and he's, like, the most beautiful boy in the world and goes, like, right up to, like, Christina Ricci, and then they start dancing, and, like, they float above the ground because he's, like, a freaking ghost. And she realizes it's Casper, and they, like, make out <laughs> until he turns back into, like, a big bulbous-headed baby thing. Daphne comments, she's like, I'm seven years old, I can't hit someone with a club. And not on the gob, whatever that is, when they're talking about knocking out the guard or whatever. Uh-huh. I felt that was unrealistic, because seven-year-olds think they can do anything. She could totally hit Seth it. Seth would have done it. Yeah, Seth would have done it. <laughs> Seth would have taken on the giant. Seth and Puck would probably be like, would they be besties, or would they just hate each other because they're essentially the same person? Yep, that that's the one. Because <laughs> he and Sabrina are the same person, and yeah. they hate each other. And they wouldn't realize how close they were. They would insist that they were nothing like each other. Yeah. Um, Probably finish each other's sandwiches. <laughs> uh, knowing Charming, he's got a map of Fairyport Landing in his office with all the property he's after and where he's going to send the giant next. And I wrote, please don't let this actually be the case. I Who been... would ever make that? Yeah. This is where my crimes will be. Because I want <laughs> this trace back to me. And neither of the girls are like, that sounds dumb. Why would that be a thing? They, they go inside the mirror and says, uh, Jack stepped into the reflection and pushed the man in the mirror aside. And I wrote, this isn't what Michael would have wanted. 
Uh, and then they're like, what is this place? And the mirror says, it's an arcane-powered, multi-phasic, trans-dimensional pocket universe. A what-who? Your grandmother calls it the world's biggest walk-in closet. I just wrote... Because it's like, it's like that in English, please, like techno-babble sort of yeah. nonsense that I can't stand. Grendel's in there, which is going to be interesting if they go with Grendel. Yeah. I like this as a whole room, just Grendel. <laughs> That's it. Jack asks for a peek of the beans, and I wrote, oh no. Oh no. And yeah. then he's like, thanks, Grim, you don't know what you've done for me. And I just wrote, oh no, but in a bigger form. Yeah. I thought he pocketed a few, maybe, but I don't know if that, I don't think that was the case at that time. Talks about how their mom was pretty good with, like, detective and stuff as well, which means that in-laws can do all this, too. Do uh, in-laws count for that curse? Because they're technically a Grim? Or does it have to be the blood? It's a good question. Let's read the other eight books and find out. Pass. Uh, <laughs> I'd rather read the rest of Fable Haven than this. They're the Tin Man and Mama Bear. And my guess for how this was going to go awry was that one of those two characters was already at the party. Yeah, me too. I thought that's what was going to happen. I was just really disappointed. Which, I mean, I guess props for not going that direction. But at the same time, I think that might have been a more exciting confrontation. That hobo ate the Tin Woodman. <laughs> <laughs> Are we ready for chapter nine? Yeah. Okay. We're almost done, though. All right, chapter nine. All disguised up, they get together some walkie-talkies, and Sabrina clicks her heels three times and says, there's no place like Charming's Mansion. Couldn't they have just said there's no place like Charming's Study? It would have saved some time. Also, Elvis comes in with a giant's cloth and something of Jack's, but he's ignored, of course. Anyway, Jack can't go in with the girls since he just, like, escaped from jail, so he's going to stay outside and direct their movements. The girls join the other Ever Afters in line to enter the party and be announced. They stand with Beauty and the Beast, the White Rabbit, and the Three Blind Mice, who all gossip about the Grimms and are stoked that Granny's been abducted by a giant. <laughs> <laughs> Did you draw little notes so that yeah, you knew to sing? so I'd know to sing. <laughs> But they groan at the mention of the grandkids being in town. Uh, this is all upsetting to the girls, but they're gobsmacked when the white rabbit mentions that the parents, Grimm, were taken away by something. No one knows more than that, nor do they care. They just want to be free. Once inside, Charming schmoozes amongst all the ever-afters. Then, then he formally greets everyone. He jokingly demands that they donate a lot of money or they'll be arrested. Tee! Then the Queen of Hearts busts in and wants to know, What's that noise? No. Wants to know. <laughs> you know. Queen, you're just jealous. It's the <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, uh, the Queen of Hearts, she wants to know what's being done about the giant and bats away the BS Charming lobs her way until she gets a real answer. Uh, Sabrina pipes up with her theory that Charming's controlling the giant, which visibly rattles him. Uh, Queen of Hearts wants to know what if the Grimms find out about this and Charming reveals that Granny Grimm knows and has been carried away by a giant. Most of the crowd's high-fiving, but a few look worried. On that note, Charming ends his speech like, BT dubs, let's have fun, and the music starts up. Uh, the girls can't take another second of this, so Sabrina sneaks upstairs, getting waylaid by Hampstead once. Jack directs her, and Daphne keeps an eye on Charming. Charming's study is full of taxidermied animals which he's killed, which gross. Uh, Sabrina finds a map. I thought gross because he lives in a town where a lot of anthropomorphized animals are, so it's gross that he has those. Right, it's like in Shrek when they have the, the bearskin rug and it's mama bear. Yeah, so, uh, Sabrina finds a map showing where the giant has been, but nothing to indicate a future attack. In the corner is a TV hooked up to a video camera, and on screen is the Appleby farm. When she hits play, 
The video shows a giant beanstalk sprouting upwards to the sky and then a giant climbing down it. It stomps on the farmhouse, but we see Mr. Appleby leap out the door in time. Sabrina's thrilled that this is proof, but it all feels too convenient, yeah? Anyway, the door to the study flies open and Daphne's shoved in by Charming. He demands to know who they really are and points a crossbow at Sabrina as incentive for truth-telling. Gulp! Uh, they're standing behind Beauty and the Beast on their way into the party. And Beast is like, how on earth did you and Mama Bear come to be acquainted? And then Beauty says, you're such a gossip. What Papa Bear doesn't know won't hurt him. Ah, adultery. How do you do it with a tin man? I doubt he got like a tin ween. She's got a... Or a tin china. Yeah. <laughs> you have to get your, your little oil squirter. <laughs> <laughs> she was one of the next chapter. Hold on, I gotta check my notes. <laughs> I want you to know that my... Uh, door is always open for concerns between the hours of 8 and 8.15 every morning. Oh, so it's So accessible. <laughs> Charming figured out that they weren't who they appeared to be because Mama Bear notes at the very end. Oh, uh, Mama Bear should be hibernating. Mama Bear should be three <laughs> weeks into hibernation by now. And she's like, I just really wanted to go to the party. <laughs> I like being gouged out of my money. <laughs> Do you know how much caffeine I've had to ingest in order to come to this party? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs> a bear's doing speed. That's scary. A bear on yeah. speed. Hard pass. <laughs> Chapter 10. Charming tells them that he refuses to join the Scarlet Hand and he starts counting down until he shoots. The girls tell him they don't know what the Scarlet Hand is and that they're Rolda Grimm's granddaughters, but he keeps counting. Daphne cries and Sabrina waits for death, but nothing happens. They've magically changed back. Charming threatens to have them arrested for this stunt. Oh, he lists off the crimes and it's kind of one of my favorite tropes when it like lists like serious crimes and then something really dumb shit yeah. at the end. Ladies, I could toss you into jail and throw away the key for what you've done. You've used a magical item to help a known criminal escape from jail, infiltrated an Ever Afters party without invitation, impersonated Ever Afters, committed espionage against a government official, broken into my home, put the fairy port landing ball in serious jeopardy, and ruined two pairs of Sheriff Hampstead's pants. <laughs> what a dickhead. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so Charming threatens to have them arrested, and that the only safe place for them is the jailhouse, because they don't want the guests downstairs to find out they're there. Um, Sabrina grabs the video camera and threatens to expose him as the giant wrangler, but Charming only laughs. Then suddenly a giant shows up at the window. <laughs> Charming calls Mr. Seven and has him send the three witches outside to perform a protective spell on the house. Then he tugs the girls outside despite their protests. The guests see the girls and get predictably upset, but they're more upset when the giant rips the roof off the building. Everyone panics and runs out screaming. The giant demands to know where the murderer is. And Charming says he isn't there. Funnily enough, the giant doesn't believe him. The three witches show up and start throwing spells at the giant, but nothing works for long. Then King Arthur and his knights run out to whack at his feet and ankles until the giant gives up and leaves. Uh, then everyone leaves and no one donates to Charming's fund, grumbling that they need new leadership. So I guess that's going to happen in future books. Charming yells at the girls and they yell back in and says this is all his fault for allying himself with a giant. In response to these renewed accusations, Charming snatches the video camera from Sabrina and rewinds the tape. We see four men on camera talking, three other goons in the hospital. The leader, Jack. Oh no, what? They watch Jack plant a magic bean. Oopsie poopsie. Charming says they found the tape on Jack when they were arresting him. Turns out Jack wants video footage of himself killing a giant so he could be famous again, which made me picture Jack having like a YouTube channel. <laughs> where he just posts like, all right, thumbs up if you like this video, subscribe if you like future ones. <laughs> Smash that like button. <laughs> like button. Subscribe, me. leave a comment. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram. 
<laughs> but then since he's an ever after and doesn't understand how time works, he's like, check out my MySpace, my Frapper, <laughs> my GeoCities. My LinkedIn. <laughs> hey, I'm on LinkedIn, buddy. If you don't like it, you don't have to use it. <laughs> anyway, Daphne suddenly realizes the house is unlocked since they left via magic shoes. The whole scheme was to keep the girls busy so Jack could ransack the house. Hampstead pops up and says the giant's headed for Widow's Peak. No sign of Jack, but they found a bloody hanky on Charming's grounds. It's Jack's blood, meant to lure the giant. Fee fi fo fum, I smell the blood of an Englishman. Sabrina, Dorothy's herself, Daphne, and Charming back to the Grimm's place. Of course, it's a shambles. The phone rings, and it's our buddy Wilma Fay from Action 4 News following up on a tip from Mr. Englishman that there'll be a murder tonight on Widow's Peak. She confirms that the camera crew will be there, but, like, shouldn't she call the police? Anyway, Daphne realizes they haven't seen Elvis yet. Calling him, they hear him barking upstairs. Uh, they find him in Mira's room in a pool of his own blood, and I really hate this book, especially when Charming says they haven't got time for a mom girl. But then Sabrina, Daphne, and I visibly wish death on him, so he gets on the horn and asks Mr. Seven to send one of the witches over to help Elvis. Okay, maybe Charming's an okay guy. Maybe. <laughs> uh, they go in the mirror, and they find Mira has been beaten up badly. Jack's been there, and he's stolen a jar of magic beans. You don't say! Charming takes Excalibur, the sword that kills you from even the tiniest cut, and Sabrina, Dorothy's thumb to Jack. Uh, before doing so, Daphne suggests they use the shoes to find their parents. Smartest idea in the book. A plus, Daffers. <laughs> Daffers. <laughs> they all confront Jack, who's shooting flaming arrows at the giant to piss it off. He switches to shooting at Charming, who deflects each arrow perfectly with Excalibur. Then he gets all braggy, so of course he's swatted by the giant. He loses Excalibur and consciousness. Sabrina picks up Excalibur, and Jack taunts her. She notices he has a red hand on his shirt, the same red hand found in her parents' car. He refuses to tell Sabrina where her parents are, but doesn't admit to kidnapping them. He's about to shoot the girls, but the giant stomps at Jack, and the girls take the chance to run away. They run through the woods, and Sabrina falls, losing a shoe. She desperately goes back for it, while the giant stomps again, and no more shoe. He reaches down to grab the girls, but Sabrina nicks him with Excalibur, and he falls down dead. Sabrina's aghast at what she's inadvertently done, and Daphne's worried for Granny and Mr. Canis in the guy's pocket. Jack's pissed someone else has killed the giant, and he decides to kill the girls and free everyone from Fairyport Landing. Good backup plan, I guess? That's a better plan than I'm gonna get famous killing giants. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom has this thing. The reason why she doesn't like the Lord of the Rings movies is because anytime there's a big army battle scene, it just her eyes glaze over and she can't keep track of anything. I don't get that from movies, but I do get that sometimes from books. And since this was Too a very, action. this action-heavy chapter, I was yeah. just like, I don't know or care about any of this. Just let me know yeah. when it's done and who's dead. Writing good action is difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it sucked the synopsis. I was like, I had to pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's like they're up the hill, now they're down the hill, now they're by a river. and Yeah, I tried to minimize that quite yeah. a bit. One of the things that you probably should do with action is find some way to have your setting for the battle already explained to a degree because like we hadn't experienced this landscape before so yeah. i had nothing to like like i had no internal compass mm -hmm. for this whereas if it were at a location we visited before like say there, there was like a, a scuffle inside uh granny grim's house i have a better understanding of that landscape so i wouldn't get as lost so quickly 
So I just had to keep being like, okay, now I have to draw myself that there's a hill, and now I have to draw a river down at the bottom, now I have yeah. to draw some trees, and I didn't have much to say because it was just, like, action nonsense. All we're, right. We're on the last chapter. We're on the last chapter. God, thank God. So, <laughs> chapter 11. Jack knocks Sabrina down and takes Excalibur. He's about to chop off her head when the car comes roaring out of the giant's pocket. Granny and Mr. Canis are alive. Granny wants to know WTF, and Jack shows her the jar of beans in his pocket and starts villain speechifying. So Mr. Canis thrillers himself into the big bad wolf, and they duke it out. <laughs> I told you there's another Michael Jackson reference, and they duke it out. Uh, Mr. Canis manages to avoid Excalibur while doing some damage to Jack, but Jack gets the upper hand. Oh no! Suddenly there's flute music, and in comes the pixie cavalry led by Puck. Granny tells Puck they need the beans, so he orders the pixies to get the jar out of Jack's pocket. Jack sees it getting carried away and frantically flails for it, but only succeeds in knocking it to the ground and it smashes open. Smooth move, X-Lax. Uh, the Channel 4 news team shows up just in time for the beanstalks to sprout. Dozens of angry giants come down to get Jack. Granny Relda tells them to take Jack to the giant queen for her to mete out justice. The giants leave and the three witches show up and burn down the beanstalks. The police also show up, and they're relieved Granny's okay. They even compliment the kids, which I think was very kind of them. Uh, then Hampstead breaks the tape the reporters just recorded, and Wilma Fay hilariously beats him in the head with her microphone. <laughs> Charming has Glinda give the news team forgetful powder, and then he takes off. Finally, all the Grimms can go home. In the morning, they're woken by Elvis, who has some bruised ribs and stitches, but is otherwise fine. The girls promise him that they will listen when he tries to tell them stuff, and he seems satisfied by that. So after breakfast, the girls are taken shopping for good clothes, and Granny Relda apologizes for their crappy outfits from before. Mr. Canis is colorblind. This is kind of adorable. Yep. Uh, yep. They're also given their own books to write their fairy tale accounts. Then Granny Relda has Mira show the girls their parents. They're alive, but in a magic Jocelyn Frank coma in an undisclosed location. It's okay that Sabrina lost the Dorothy slipper because Granny already tried every magic item in her possession to get the Grim parents, but the Scarlet Hand, uh, their magic's too strong. Uh, there's a commotion downstairs, and the three pigs are there to build an extension to the house. Sabrina's excited for her own room, but psych, it's for Puck, he's moving in. We end on Sabrina's scowl because of course we do. <laughs> okay. Uh, your synopsis made me realize, so the giants all live in the clouds, right? Yeah. Do they have to live in the clouds immediately above Fairyport? Or would you be able to escape by climbing up into the clouds and then, like, skydiving out? Like, Unless over... you hit a barrier. Hmm. Giant privileges. Puck brings in all of, brings in the pixies, right? He leads them with his flute. Um, I wrote, uh, fairy lesbians did it better. Yeah, I thought of that too. <laughs> this deus ex machina isn't as good as the other one. <laughs> this is page 275, so we're like 10 pages before the end of the book. I underlined at the top where it says the fairy tale detectives. I underlined detectives and said, I wish it was more of a noir. I wish this was less actiony and more like 11-year-old girls going into speakeasies and like figuring out where somebody was at the time of the murder or something. That would have been a much better book. If you want something like that, but it's not like little girls... Um, there's Jasper Ford's Nursery Crime series. Okay. I've heard good things about Jasper Ford. Yeah, the Nursery Crime series is, like, noir. It's not so much, like, fairy tales as, like, the nursery rhyme characters. Okay. The, um, head detective is, uh, Jack Spratt. Okay. And his, like, lieutenant is Mary Mary. <laughs> okay. The sheriff looked at Mr. Canis and nodded his head. Wolf, he said with an odd respect. Pig, Canis replied, returning the gesture. And I'll do pig. Donkey! <laughs> 
do do yeah the colorblind line is great yeah puck's moving in did you like puck as a character no okay <laughs> did you no okay he's been a kid forever like why are you still developmentally a child shouldn't he be more like i don't know age yourself up bro i didn't know that like puck was like a kid i thought he was just like in any every production i've seen of midsummer night's dream he's never a child yeah he's just like just this dude who's all hey that might bet have been an artistic liberty on Buckley's part. I feel like he probably did try for Peter Pan and just couldn't get the permission. So it's like, I'll make a book. And they're like, no, it doesn't work as well. Especially the, like, having a little sword and forcing them, like, off a... Mm-hmm. That's and, Peter Pan. And then the fairies. And the fairies! Which, I mean, Puck is, like, a fairy. Yes. But... Uh, so that's the end of the book. It's... Thank God. Short. But also long. Like, a lot of stuff yeah. happens, but it doesn't amount to much. No. It's really just Sabrina squabbling with everyone. Yeah. Like, at the end, it's, it, it straight up says, like, they're gonna have a lot more to write in their books, because it's obvious there's gonna be more adventures. Oh. Um, count me out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was just like, it felt like the prologue to a bigger story without being a hook for a bigger story. Like, it felt like it was setting up this world, but I, it wasn't making the world interesting for me. No. Like, an um, attempt was made. Yeah. An attempt was made, but not a good attempt. Yeah. It's more like he liked the idea more than... Um, Fables is better. Read Fables. That that does the fairy tale land so much better. I've never watched Once Upon a Time. I, I have, I have yeah. a feeling Once Upon a Time does this better. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> At yeah, least for a few seasons. Yeah. And obviously <laughs> that's, you know, comparing something aimed to adults versus something aimed to, like, 12-year-olds. Okay. Yeah, sorry. So there's something to be said there, but at the same time, like, there are certain standards of quality that doesn't really matter who you're writing for. Like, your audience deserves high quality. Yeah. Even if it's a bit more, like, digestible or simplistic for whatever reason. And I'm not getting that out of this. Like, well, like, Fablehaven accomplished it. Yeah. That was not, that was not difficult or challenging writing in the slightest. Yeah, but it's really engaging. It's a very, it, it tells, like, one story well while also setting up, mm -hmm. like, possibilities for future yeah. stories. This one's just, like, we needed to have some sort of introductory adventure so we can set up the Scarlet Hand. Yeah. Like, whereas Fablehaven was, we're gonna have this really cool adventure. There's also this evening star that we've heard whispers about. Yeah. But they're not playing. Yeah. We just have Bathmat. I can't remember his name. <laughs> no, it was Bathmat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we mentioned at the beginning, we put this in like the two to two and a half out of five star range. Yeah. Not going to be reading any more of these, I don't think. No. But I mean, you know, if if you like it or if your kid likes it or whatever, cool. Then have them read Fable Hill. It has its funny moments. Yeah. Like any time they ragged on the terrible clothes, like yeah. I laughed hysterically. Yeah. So at this point, I'm going to do our little end credits thing, and then I'm going to talk about a very spoilerific thing. I haven't read any of these books, but I did do, do a little bit of research on one element of it. So if you don't want to hear uh, any spoilers for this series, go ahead and turn it off here. You're not going to miss anything besides that. Hello Fellow Kids is recorded by Mara and Josh, produced by Josh, music composed by Ben Ash. Visit him at benash.com. 
Uh, you can now contact us, hfkpodcast at gmail.com if you want to email us. We now have a Twitter account, hfkpodcast. We're going to work on Facebook. We're going to work on Facebook. The podcast is, at the time of this recording, now live on Stitcher. If you prefer to use Stitcher as opposed to SoundCloud, I'm working on iTunes, and I'll look into Google and some other things shortly. So thank you so much for listening. I almost said watching because I normally do this at the end of YouTube videos. Um, <laughs> thanks for listening. Thumbs up if you like this. <laughs> Smash that like button. <laughs> and um, subscribe if you want future podcasts. Yes. <laughs> well, I guess you get on Stitcher at least. Yeah, that's true. You can't. You can actually like and rate and subscribe on Stitcher. And I don't pander for this sort of thing, but Stitcher does require a minimum of five reviews of any quality before it will start recommending this as a podcast oh. for other people. Um, so if we can get five of those just so that that starts showing up in other people's recommendations. Can they be like bad reviews? Yeah. Oh, they can. Yeah. Okay. I don't, so uh, if you hate this guy. Yeah. Even if you hate it, go ahead and like, that's fair. It's like <laughs> really rambling and their jokes suck. No, like, like that's, that is reasonable. You can tell the that's girl the... keeps blowing her nose. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't enough cat analingus in this one. <laughs> that's just a must for my podcast. <laughs> But yeah, uh, so enjoy the outro music, and then we're going to come back and do a little spoiler thing. Okay. of these but i did want to know about the scarlet hand okay so i looked it up and in book seven it is revealed who the leader of the scarlet hand is Ooh, can i try and guess yes is it queen of hearts no is it a fairy tale person don't don't, don't, don't tell me yes in the sense that it's an ever after okay okay uh is it someone from wonderland no is it a man yes does it have anything to do with red no okay is it little boy blue no (laughs) he's colorblind too (laughs) okay is it like so someone who's forever a kid or is a grown-up person? Um, not sure how to answer that. Okay, I'm having fun. <laughs> if everyone else is listening, just, just fucking tell us. We don't care about that. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> I swear. Okay, so is it actually from a fairy tale? It's not, like, fairy tale adjacent? Like, like, Wonder... Not one... Like, yeah, like, Wonderland or, um, Oz? Yes, it is, it is traditional fairy tale. Okay. Like, a good one? Like, has there been a Disney film made of this one? Yes. Is it, like, from King Arthur? No. No? Okay, so, okay, more like Disney. It's not charming, is it? No. Okay. I'm like, don't, don't, let's not go to that well twice. Let's not go to that witching well twice. Yeah. <laughs> or wishing well. Should we read Chris Colford? We actually should. Okay, um, but after a few books. Yes, se- several just, non-fantasy books yes, after this. Yeah, because otherwise it's just going to be, like, disappointment again. Or maybe not. Well, plus know. we also want to do the, uh, so you want to be a wizard, which would be yeah. fantasy, but far away from this. Yeah, okay. Okay, I'm going to try and guess. Let me know if you need any hints. Okay, is it, like, from a Disney film? Oh, is it Peter Pan? No. <laughs> okay, is it from, like, a older school Disney fairy tale? Like, yes. Okay. I'm gonna assume is it that... Maleficent? No. No, it's a man. <laughs> Maleficent could be a man. It's not Maleficent. <laughs> <laughs> Please be Maleficent. <laughs> okay. Um, someone from Cinderella? No. Okay. I'm trying to think of older school. My, my brain keeps going Lady of the Tramp, and I'm like, that's not even a fairy tale. <laughs> okay, you may as well just tell me. It's the magic mirror. No! Holy yeah. shit! Really? Yeah. That's a decent twist. 
Yes. Yeah, what a fuck ass though. I guess that makes sense though, because like if the the mirror is supposed to guide you, yeah. he took them right to Jack. Yeah. Who like screwed them over? Yeah. Having just read this book though, I'm I'm not positive that he intended for that at the outset. Oh. Um, well, he did just, say the bruises look worse than they actually feel, so maybe they were magically like yeah, cosmet. You know. Yeah, and obviously it, it's hard to tell whether or not that's like intentional or that's just being like, oh, we can add that to this for it to make sense. But yeah, so Magic Mirror is the head of all of the evil nonsense. Well, shouldn't like the the magic items go missing a lot more often then? See, this is why I feel like he didn't plan for this originally. I think what he oh. did was he had. He was going to be like, because I think they, like, one of the Did others... Did he write in, himself into a corner? I think one of the other ones in command, uh, it's either Red Riding Hood or Briar Rose. Really? I think. So I think what happened was he he was going to go with that, and then he was like, oh, I need one more twist, and then he switched it over to the Magic Mirror afterwards is what I would bet oh. happened. Obviously, this is just speculation because I'm not reading the rest of these. No, no. But that aspect of it is kind of interesting. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that's the spoiler part. Okay. Are you as mind blown as me? <laughs> Smash that like button. Leave a comment if you are. Thumbs up if you were shocked. <laughs> Follow us on Grinder. Wait. On Grinder. <laughs> and cut. <laughs>